The people we meet here on the podcast all exhibit the characteristics of an individual who is going boldly. And usually that's in context of a small business owner or an entrepreneur or even an aspiring entrepreneur. But profit doesn't always have to be part of the equation. And we're going to learn more about that with our friend Bill Bandera, who runs the Bandera Family Christmas Dinner, where they give out close to 5,000 meals for free every year on Christmas Day. All right, you ready, Bill? Ready. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hey, it's Russ the Big Guy. Welcome back again. This is me, Russ the Big Guy. I am here with my sometimes co-host and always daughter, Brenna. Howdy. And we have a special guest today who is the president of the Bandera Family and Community Alliance, Inc., and uh, I think that's just a, I think he basically just got organized what he's been working on for the past, I don't know, 32 years probably. I don't know if he's that old. My friend, Bill Bandera. Good morning. (laughs) Bill, it's afternoon. I hate to tell you. Uh, Feels like morning. Um, So uh, I posted a video last night that that I made years ago, several years ago, that kind of gave a background of uh, the preparations for the the Bandera family Christmas dinner. Yep. So this is a a community event that your parents started, right? So That's that's correct. Let me guess. Uh, Bill and Carolyn, I actually looked it up the year, 1989. That's right. So that was a while ago, man. So it's what, thir- was that 32 Seems years? Like just yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, for our listeners who don't know, every Christmas there used to be, I guess, one location, and your parents would serve dinner, uh, Christmas dinner. On Christmas at, Day. On Christmas Day yep. for people who otherwise wouldn't have had dinner. Are you familiar with what their thinking was when they started? Like, uh, like what was I the first away thing? My age, of course, by telling you this, but yeah, I was twenty-four. Okay, when the first dinner occurred. Oh, and yeah, there, there, it was. You are older than I thought. I right. pictured you as a little kid running around, <laughs> <laughs> scooping out mashed potatoes. Yeah. Well, that's all I did for the first twenty years. Yeah. Was cook. Oh, okay. Literally. Um. But what did, did your mom do it out of her house or something? Or like, how so did it first happen? It, it was a collaboration, really, between entities. Okay. Um, my parents being an entity. Yeah. American Legion Post 80, which is on Main Street in Binghamton. Yeah. Um, they were an entity. And still there. Still there. And still where we have the dinner. Okay. 31 years later, right? So, uh, and then there was another group of people, uh, all like-minded in their um philanthropic thinking wanting to help people wanting to impact their community that kind of thing and so they they just came up i don't you know my recollection isn't how they drew it all up i just knew that my mom wanted to give back to the communities in some way and the next thing we know we're uh, doing this dinner Uh, my dad was a veteran my mom uh, volunteered all over the place teaching ceramics and cooking and uh, a lot of stuff through the Legion. So they're like, well, this is, we can use a Legion. We can use a Legion kitchen. Uh, my mom was a great cook. And, w- you know, what better way to warm the hearts of people by other than giving them really good homemade food. So that was kind of the beginning. 
and the Legion was part and parcel to all of it. They, without the Legion, it never would have started, or it would have maybe it would have started in another location. But oh, that was a great facility. It still it still is. Yeah, it's, it's I mean it's old, but it's beautiful there. Yeah, They've done cool. a, a really good job in uh, maintaining it. So who came to the first meal, the first uh, Christmas dinner? Like, was Besides it just me? open to anybody, or what was that? Besides me, yeah. I mean, did a lot of people show up? Was we it? Had, was it? Uh, it was uh, sixty-nine meals were served that year. Really? It was yeah. just anybody off the? What did she? Did she yeah. put a sign out front and say free food, or like what happened? Yeah. So it was mostly uh, word of mouth. Okay. Through the Legion has a, a newsletter. It reaches all of the Legions. Throughout that summer and that fall, they were basically advertising it through the American Legion. There was no uh, requirements as to why you might come to the dinner. Just show up and it was free. It's free for you. Come and eat. And so 69 people showed up that year. And she had no uh, ulterior motives, no, like, there there wasn't well, my pre- parents preaching paid. or... My parents paid for it. I mean, I'm a Christian, and mm-hmm. and they were Christians, but it, w- it wasn't uh, an outreach program. Yeah. Um, you can use anything that you do, I think, to outreach, but it literally was who they were, hmm. just people who were very thankful for their position in life, very thankful that they could uh, do something to just give back. Yeah. That was it. And, that, and that, even that very first year, we had our first delivery. What do you mean? Somebody, um, I don't remember the name, but it was a, a gentleman had called the post when the meal was being served. The guy called and said, hey, I heard about this free Christmas dinner. I can't get there. I, I'm pretty ill. I'm just wondering if there's any way you could bring me a meal. Oh. And uh, she's like, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) So you were delivery. Figure out how to package up a meal. Yeah. And bring it to this address. Okay. Which I did. And uh, so that was the first delivery. And I got back and and that guy called back after he had the meal and thanked my mom personally. And then right there, my mom was like, I think we can do this next year. Like, start delivering meals. Oh my gosh. What if people can't get here? We can deliver. Well, what did the what do you remember the reaction of the guy when you delivered the food to him? Like, yeah, or his I, situation or it's anything? It's an entire story that could take up this whole session. Well, you've got um, you've got a, a couple hours, so you, go ahead. You don't want that story. We can edit. We'll edit. <laughs> he <laughs> give me the reader's remember, digest. He was uh, really version. happy because honestly, don't know that I've ever seen anybody as sick as he was oh. that wasn't like in a hospital. Yeah. And he was living by himself, and he could not get out of bed. And then I'm walking through the house and trying to find him, and he was like three rooms in. Wow. And uh, in his bed, and uh, he did not look good. He looked really bad. I felt horrible. I was like, "Can you like? Do you even have the strength to eat this?" Yeah. I mean, he was that sick. What'd you think walking out of that house? You were just a young guy. Yeah. Like that would have been, you probably never were in that situation before, right? (laughs) No. It had have been impactful. No. Uh, They had moved around a lot and I'd been to Poughkeepsie. I've been to Colorado all before high school. Oh. And then in high school, I ended up, uh, or my senior year in Vestal, I was, uh, or I was in Vestal my senior year in high school. I had seen a a lot, been introduced to a lot of uh, different culture and stuff like that. And and to me, it would... what my parents were providing for the community was not extraordinary. Oh. It was normal for them. Uh, yeah. And so it was normal to me. I didn't realize the impact. And that we'll talk about that more, I'm sure. Yeah. The impact that it's made. Uh, but I also grew up with, and 
a lot of people don't know this. Um, I had a brother who passed away when he was 42, mm-hmm. but he was born in 1960 uh, with spina bifida. Oh. And yeah, this is, I didn't know this. Yeah. So he, he had a rough life, you know, but, you know, back in 1960, things, people looked at that kind of thing differently, uh, except my mom, you know, everyone was like, you have to put him in a home and there's too much medical care to take care of him. He was never going to walk, needed a wheelchair from birth. And, uh, my mom was like, no, this, this is my son. Like he'll be with me. Like I grew up with a brother who was in a wheelchair which was nor- normal life. for you. Right. And it just wasn't a big thing to me. Yeah. And Which then, it really shouldn't be for anybody. I yeah. mean, so I imagine the burden taking care of someone like just on time and emotion and yeah. energy and money and everything, so you know, a little but, background there, but seeing that gentleman, when I walked in that day, it made me think more of, this is just like my brother. Okay. Like it wasn't a shocking thing to me. Yeah. Um, but it also, it did generate, like the comparison between my life and someone else's life, you know, and I was like, wow, we're actually helping somebody. Yeah. The the first dinner, the, the first delivery. And I was there for it all. And, and I can say this, this is only said 31 years later, looking back, I wasn't saying it is uh, maybe eloquently, but I had a recognition of, whoa, you know, life isn't that bad. I'm an, I'm in a pretty good place. We're in a place where we can actually do this for people and that there's people, uh, unfortunately like this man who needed the help. Yeah. And, uh, and he needed more help than a meal, but the meal got him through that day. I'm sure, you know, so that was really cool. Physically got him through the day, but probably, uh, on an emotional level, it probably went well beyond that one day. Yeah. You know, somebody was caring for him. Sure. Recognized him. And helped him. Yeah, my mom was a, she was a seamstress. As a matter of fact, all of my dad's um, suits and ties were my mom made. She was a baker. Well, now I know why you do so much because. She was a better baker (laughs) than she was a cook. Your mom, really? She was a great cook. Oh my gosh, I wish I would have met her. I think the whole story really is interesting. And you had a great example of your mom and, and and you're continuing that now. Was that one event sort of something that made you recognize the importance of service or how the part that you had, you had to play in it or, or was it just like your whole upbringing? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Primarily though, it was my upbringing. Yeah. The Christmas dinner didn't put me into a place I I didn't recognize. Uh, That was my life. I understand. Gotcha. And so, um, but it's through the, you know, it's the growth, not just with that, but uh, you know, just as a human being and, surviving to 55 and yeah uh feeling like i'm finally coming to some common sense i'm like oh yeah why did it take so long <laughs> most of my friends question hey I, you know, like, i'm with you brother <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> it's i think sometimes it's just uh somebody said the other day to me when i was explaining several things that um i had experienced and that i had learned and that i had come to finally believe and that i had uh, eventually noticed and processed and <laughs> and internalized and they would they just said well that's wisdom you know i hope it is Absolutely. but it's hard because uh, sort of like the smarter you get the more you realize you don't know all right or Absolutely. the more you recognize uh, around you the more you realize that 
you have to learn yet or recognize yeah. yet or well, whatever. That, so I think uh, I think of my cooking and I just happen to have a natural skill. Like it just comes naturally. I've never yeah. gone to school for it. Is that um, genetic or was that from uh, watching I, I your mom? Say it's genetic. And my mom did. I mean, I remember as a little kid, always when she was baking, I would do all of the uh, measurements. You know, I'd do the flour and the sugar, and and of course I'd eat the batter. Yeah. And, and I would be a part of that, and I did that for years, and I loved doing that. And I think that clearly, you know, impacted me to want to go. When I Before I went to college, I had three choices in front of me. One was college. Uh, to get a physical education degree. The second one was go to uh, down to Hyde Park and Culinary Institute, uh, which I was very interested in doing. And my third one was join the Navy. So did you make it to culinary school? No. I, oh. And that's a, there's a little secret that people don't know what? about culinary school. You know, let's say you take a turkey and you got to debone it. Yeah. It just something about the thought of working on that or taking a fish and scaling it. I just kind of get a little queasy. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you serve 4,000 meals. Are you, right. You, and yet I do it all the time. Right. <laughs> I kind of got over it. You have volunteers that do it now or what? It literally bothered me so much when I was, you know, coming out of yeah. high school. That's why, that's that why Brent is a vegetarian. I didn't go to what? culinary school. I'm like, I, I can't imagine. No. Ripping those bones and cracking this yeah. and breaking that. I'm like, oh, uh, but I want to cook it, but I don't want to, <laughs> you know. So I had this weird thing. So I ended up going. Oh I got my, my physical education degree. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I taught for a few years, and I substitute for almost 20 years in the Syracuse School District. Uh, coached basketball and did that, but I've had a million jobs. and Yeah, but aren't you aren't you working as a chef so, or a cook right now? I uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, And, uh... Well, the, wait a minute. What are you doing for a living right yes now? No. <laughs> Aren't you cooking? Yes. Or, no. Weren't you? They never opened last summer because oh. of COVID. All right. Well, before and that. They're seasonal. Yeah. Well, what about before that? Yeah. So I was. Oh, they just hire anybody? Any, <laughs> they hire any old physical education teacher to cook? <laughs> no. I could have got a job uh, up there. I have. Cracking turkey bones. My, I can run a restaurant. Yeah. I can do a banquet for 200 people by myself. Wow. Um. If I have a kitchen, you know, is that, a, is that just from, uh, just, learning over the years yeah, of doing the Christmas doing dinner, it, doing it. The Christmas dinner was a big part of that. Yeah. Um, well, how do you not poison somebody? Aren't there things you need to know? <laughs> I think it's very easy to not poison somebody. That's well, bare minimum. <laughs> I Don't can't poison say anybody. all the secret tricks we use because they're not approved. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's interesting when I, so when I, I was mean, food, teaching, food storage and, and temperatures and those things are like, aren't those important things you learn yes, in culinary school? Absolutely. <laughs> All and, right. Uh, what do they, how do they teach you that in the, at, uh, physical it, education training? <laughs> <laughs> Don't sweat yeah, in watch, the food. Yeah. Watch the temperature of the children and <laughs> make sure they're exercising and. Well, I guess you must know what you're doing because I haven't read about you in the, <laughs> in the yeah. newspaper. I haven't been dinged yet. But, the uh, uh, health department hasn't shut you down. I started working at a golf course in like 2008, 2007. Uh, I need to do something when there's no school now Yeah, to make ends meet. So I just went to this golf course. I started doing their banquets 
which is why I was hired, was to do all their banquets. Well, they're a golf course. They have tournaments every day. So I was doing banquets three, four times a week. was doing really well. And fortunately, I had a really good friend who um, came out of culinary school, had opened a restaurant down the road that I went to all the time. And I could call him on any time on a dime and say, uh, this looks like it's messed up. Like, it yeah. looks like I overdid this. How do oh. I correct it? Oh, or this, do, how do I make this look better? Cause it what looks, temperature do I need to horrible. keep the potatoes at so I don't poison anybody? Yeah. And he would just, he'd be like, Oh, no problem. You know? Oh, that's cool. Do ABC. And the thing was, so he was a friend, but a mentor actually in nine a way. times out of 10, I would already have done ABC. Whatever oh. the answer was he gave me. Yeah. I already intuitively did it. That's when I realized that there was something natural about my ability to, oh. to cook. I, yeah. You know, not that I got all like, oh, look at me. I don't need school. It was more like, oh, I, I have a gift here. Let me use it. And it was fun. So I redid their menu. We started serving lunches. Yeah. You know, it became just like, man, I can do this. And, and the, the owners at the time, very nice people and um, very open to letting me learn and grow. I really, I even look back now and I'm like, wow, I made some mistakes. All right. When was this though? How long that ago was, was like this? 2007, 2008. Oh, it wasn't that long ago. No. But you had been doing the dinners all this time. You had already Christmas. taken over the dinners. Well, I took over the Christmas dinner in 2010. Okay. That was one of the questions I was, I wanted to ask you, which was when did you decide to do that and real and what made you kind of lean into it? I think you kind of answered the question already, but maybe you could talk about a little bit more. I mean, obviously your parents are getting older. They can only, you know, Mm -hmm. it's time for somebody else to step up and it was you. Well, it didn't have to be you though. You could have said to God, I've had enough. I've been doing this every year since I was what, 20 you said, I think. And like, why would I want to keep doing it? I want to have a Christmas dinner somewhere else with my family or something. You sound like me. Oh, you did think that. Yes, I absolutely did think that. But you didn't do that. No. So it goes back to the first year when the question about the first year. Yeah. I was just a few minutes ago, I said, I didn't recognize the impact it had on the community, which the first year, I don't know that you're going to recognize anything anyway, whatever you're doing, right? You know, fast forward to Thanksgiving Day, 2009, my dad told me and the family yeah. that he had uh, cancer. He had, he had a bunch of stuff wrong with him, and it was really progressed and really bad and not looking so good. And so, barring a miracle, literally, I'm like, oh, this is this is probably the last Christmas. Oh. So 2009, ironically, was 20 years. And I thought, not that I wanted my dad to pass away, but if he's going to pass away, how appropriate that it's like on a on a 20 or a 30, you know, a 10, a 20 or 30 wasn't. It just meant something to me like, wow, 20 years. And uh, what a great run. Like this is how I'm thinking. What a great run. What you just said. I said to myself a million times, probably the last one, you know, like, uh, what's going to happen now? How is this the end of it? You know, so that started coming up. And although the conversation of that never transpired in any full plan, you know, like uh, exit strategy, there was no exit strategy. Then we had Christmas and that Christmas was what I, one of the favorite things 
that I enjoyed the most about the Christmas dinner was, I mean, it, you know, you're spending most of December doing all this stuff, prepping it. Um, and I forgot to mention, but the first 10 years, my parents paid for that. They out of their pocket, they didn't get donations. They didn't uh, ask people for food until it got wow. so big yeah. that they actually couldn't flip the entire bill. And that was another thing that crossed my mind in 2009. I'm like, uh, yeah. not that I wouldn't pay for it. I can't pay for it. You know, I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? It, but it was a little different by then because we were getting donations. But the favorite part of Christmas was that I, it was my family time. I got to spend quality time with my dad and my mom as we sat around making stuffing and drinking. You know, we'd have some wine and our best friends people who'd been with us all 20 years would show up every year and it'd be this little group of people that just did this really cool thing and that time to me was precious it was gold so we got through that christmas my dad was um he made it through he was there you know on and off helping us out for the 20th dinner and uh then he passed away february 3rd 2010 the first time i recognized that the impact on the community was bigger than my parents was the very next morning, every TV station in Binghamton was at my mom's front door wanting to know what was the future of the Christmas dinner. Oh. And my mom wouldn't go to the front door, so it was me at the front door trying to answer a question that I had no idea. I was thinking, well, what a great run. 20 years. God bless my dad. God bless my parents. I'm done. And like you said, I was like, I'm going to have Christmas dinner anywhere. Yeah. The American Legion this year. You know, I was literally that at that place. And then two things. One was more of a spiritual thing, but I really believe God opened my eyes to see some stuff that I just wasn't cognizant of, you know, because of my um, employment and stuff. I was able to stay with my mom. I'm like, I'm just going to stay with you for a while and uh, help her transition and stuff like that. And so, uh, but what started happening immediately was, it sounds crazy, but literally almost every legion in New York State started to uh, invite my mom to their location so that they could have a dinner and honor her and my dad for their uh, work t- towards in the community. So I escorted my mom on all of these trips around New York City. We even went into Canada. Yeah. And um. Wow, I didn't know about this. Yeah, they get it was that entire summer plaques and certificates, and New York State stuff from Albany. I mean, we were recognized by um, one of the governors at the time. Yeah. And just on and on and on, and it's like, wow, you know, it's just this is unbelievable. That's kind of how I felt. I'm like, I can't even imagine that people are impacted this way. It just blew me away. Yeah. And so all of that, I there was this dramatic and clear turn from this is a, this is the end of a good thing to this is the start of a, a new thing. This is the beginning of a new thing with a 20-year foundation that is never going to go away. From that day, the f- as soon as I saw that, and I remember my friend at um, – was really good friends with my parents, Stan Olbreeze. He was with me the whole time because he was like my mentor, my friend, and and I would I would talk out loud all the time, and I'd be like, "Well, if we're gonna do this, we should go big." I'm talking to myself, but he's standing there. Yeah, we should, if I'm gonna do this, we should just go big or go home, right? He's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, right, right. You should." 
you know, maybe we should start a nonprofit because how else are you going to go big? He goes, yeah, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> Why stop in one place? Why don't, I mean, what city couldn't use a free Christmas dinner? Let's expand. He goes, oh, yeah, great idea. You know, so <laughs> I remember going through that one-on-one uh, -on -one conversation to myself while he witnessed it, and yeah. he just kept confirming it and confirming <laughs> it. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. And so that was summer 2010. My mom would run around during Christmas, and all I would hear her ever say is, oh, man, got to put out another fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be like, what is she talking about? Cause I didn't you found out soon right. enough, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just cooked, and that, I was happy as a lark. Didn't, had no idea what was going on um, except for the food. And then that first year, you know, the very first day I get home, uh, got down on my knees, laid my head on her lap, and was weeping like a baby. I think I know what you mean by putting out fires, yeah. except I don't know how to put them out. <laughs> you know, This is not fun. There's nothing about this that is fun. But I knew I had to do it. It, was, it wasn't like I was going to quit. But I was like, this is not what I've been doing for 20 years. This is a whole different world. And then the best compliment I got that year, which I still think was a lie. <laughs> was, Designed to pump you off or yeah, what? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody came in who was a volunteer. I didn't know who they were. If they'd been there the first year, if that was their first year or fifth year, right? That was the most organized event that I've participated in in a long time like great job but in my head yeah i'm like uh no <laughs> and then after a couple of years i knew the front of the curtain presents way different than behind the curtain right behind the curtain you go through stuff you can't even describe on a podcast and yeah right it's it's not even for me at least it's not about making it look good it's about being good yeah it's about doing it good. Yeah. And so it comes out on the other side, usually pretty good. Yeah. Well, let's catch our breath here for a minute because you've you've covered <laughs> a big span of time and, and a lot of really cool things. And I really appreciate and recognize the, you know, the amount of skill and labor and work that you've put in and heart, you know, yeah. blood, sweat, and tears, as they say. Our podcast is designed for small business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs. And so we try to unpack some some things for them, and you covered a lot. Um, I made a couple notes here. One one of the big things that struck me was when you you listened to that voice inside, mm -hmm. right? And that was like the day when you when you realized that you were going to do this. Then the brain kicked in and it's like, okay, well, what is what is this going to be, right? But mm -hmm. a lot of people, I think, probably never hear that voice or or they don't recognize it. I'm of the mind that everyone probably has that, even though. Not everybody yeah, can hear it, it or responds. Yeah, yeah, because it's because it takes a certain amount of courage to be able to answer that thing. I mean, it it may mean an entire upheaval of your life. You don't know. It's different for everybody. Could mean a little adjustment. It could mean maybe a recognition that what you've been doing is the right thing, or maybe you need to do a one eighty. You know, we don't know. So yeah. it's different for everybody. Have, has it been worth it for you? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I, yeah. It's sort of like having kids. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> What's Which that? I have five. I have yeah. five children. Before I had children, I couldn't imagine having one. Exactly. I could not imagine it. Yeah. Having five, I can't imagine not having, having five. five. Yeah. And that was like the Christmas dinner. 
literally as we just described, right? Right. I couldn't running it was just never something we talked about or discussed. It was a 180. It's a whole yeah. different view. And then you either respond to that and do something or you look at it and say, well, that, that was a cool view and you don't do anything. Um, I wonder if that's where regret would come in later. Yeah. You got to wonder, you know, it would be a big wonder. Like oh, I wonder if, could you imagine laying on your deathbed, looking back and saying, I wish I had kept the Christmas dinner going. Yeah. I, that would honestly, be, str- I, think, I mean, I don't even know if you could imagine it, but yeah. would, that would, I think would, if I had decided not to do it, yeah, whatever drove me to say no would have harbored questions that we pose now because, sure. because you did do it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So you can, yeah, it's hard to know. Back. I mean, really, you take a direction in your life or a decision, and you, you really you never know what the alternative would be. So there's why yeah. why look back. But I was just thinking, like, I hear stories of people who either have suddenly become very aware of their mortality or they're maybe about to die. Sure. Suffering from regret that they didn't do something that they wish they did. Yeah. You know, actually, that's something that kind of drives me. I, You know, you get to a certain point, I think, and you arrive to a place where, for me, I'm looking back and I'm like, not so much that I regret my choices. I am not afraid to laugh at myself. Yeah. So I look back. Well, you've come to the right place. And I continue <laughs> to laugh at myself for the stupidity of yep. the choices I made. <laughs> and I'm like, how did I, what, the, like, I made that choice? I have a few of those, too. <laughs> God, that was stupid. Yeah, but at least we recognize it. That's the beauty of it at this point. Right. Imagine if we didn't know it, but everybody so, else yeah. did. <laughs> so my my what motivates me, Yeah, and I can be lazy, believe it or not. I can really be lazy. But what motivates me is I don't want to waste time moving forward. I may have made some stupid choices in the past. I may have wished this or that. or But now as I move forward... I want to continue. I want to continue to uh, grow the nonprofit. I want to okay. c- impact the community in ways that are more than. And I. So I you're say saying you don't you don't want to dinner. You don't want to waste your time as you move forward. Absolutely. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I thought you were saying you don't uh, want to waste, waste time, time moving yeah. forward. I'm done. <laughs> and you I'm just done. said you were lazy. I thought, well, maybe he's planning on staying in bed for the next year. <laughs> I made the pinnacle. I got you. I'm on your show. <laughs> Nowhere to go but down. <laughs> so, I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, yeah, because so you, like, yeah, you have a lot good. of stuff. The past is fine. It, yeah. We all do what we do and we get where we're at and here we are. If I have a regret when I die, which I'm not planning on having any regrets, right. is that I don't do something that presents itself moving forward from this point. Gotcha. Before yeah. we go forward, let's yeah. cover a couple more things, though. Sure. The things that you've already talked about, which are so important for small business people, entrepreneurs, brush fires. Welcome to getting hit. <laughs> welcome to getting punched in the face <laughs> every day, or at least once a week. Yeah, or several times a week. Yes, regardless, uh, and and it crazy. could be anything, well, and it will be. In my particular format, too, is uh, all it's volunteer. We have a volunteer base of over two hundred fifty people. Yeah, in Binghamton. We now have uh, since we expanded into Norwich, right? We have a volunteer base there. That's about one hundred thirty-five people. All volunteers. Um, Unfortunately, you can't fire a volunteer, right. so you yeah, better you train can. them right. I, I can tell you some really good stories about volunteers. Learning, and it is a learning process, learning to handle people yeah. who have a good heart and want to and are like-minded in their thinking to help 
volunteer their time, do something positive, but might be a super A control freak personality and yeah. doesn't take directions. We're right? going to have one of you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need more as volunteers. Uh, and, so, and I'm not a super A. I'm as laid back as you can get. I'm like, give me all the super A's. Oh gosh. You know, but just don't make them work together. Yeah. And that's, I mean, everybody, everybody, uh, that's uh, um, people's personalities is a huge problem and an opportunity for any organization. Absolutely. So it's just things, you, it's one more thing to manage. Yeah. So you have to be a good manager, I guess. It's fun. Let me ask you about another thing that you mentioned, and this is uh, this is really interesting too. You mentioned, you know, people don't really see what goes on behind the curtain. So there's yeah. a couple things there. People who are not entrepreneurs, well, I shouldn't say aren't entrepreneurs, that they haven't started running a business of some sort yet. They really don't know what it's about, really, Unless, like you, maybe you've watched your mom all those years. You know, your mom and dad run that thing. That gave you mm -hmm. a lot of clues, I'm sure. You learned a lot. Um, but a lot of people have maybe a misguided idea of what it's like to own your own business. They don't realize the the uh, the internal struggles that you go through, the external struggles. You know, there's a lot, right? Yes. And And then the other part of it is, I think a lot of us who run businesses, we really look to have things as good as possible or even better. And some of us strive for perfection, which really isn't possible. We're humans. Mm -hmm. So striving for excellence is the way I look at it. It's impossible to be perfect. From where we sit, we see all the errors and all the things that need to be fixed <laughs> and all of, you know, all of that. But then from the other side, people see the positives, they see the benefits, they see the, you know, the wonderful, whatever it is, if it's the show or if it's the, you know, the facade or if it's the, um, you know, the heart or whatever, they see all those parts of it. So, sure. you know, which we're spared, they're being spared in a way, <laughs> but people don't see that. Right. No. So I think that a lot of us business owners probably are put too much pressure on ourselves. You know, we're, we're our worst critics. See, I don't, uh, well, I agree with that. It's not that I disagree with that. That helps me. It doesn't prevent me, you know, like, oh, I, I'm whipping myself and I can't. Right. You know, woe is me. Why am I such a good banquet cook? The majority of the reason why is because I'm open to the fact that I'm not the best banquet cook. For as much as I can do right here, right now, I can still learn. I can still grow. Yeah. I can still become a better cook. And as a uh, organizer of an event, I can clearly see the growth, uh, but I'm still at a place where I'm like, ah, I can still learn. Yeah, of course. Know? And if I think people who are successful are have that attitude that they never come to a place where they say, I know it all. Right. Because as soon as they really believe that is when their, their stuff starts falling apart. That's a perfect mindset. You know, is a, a, being a lifelong learner. And like I said before, the more we know, the more we know we don't know. Absolutely. Well, you know, the other side of that coin is to have a healthy uh, self-image uh, or part of having a self healthy self-image is knowing that you have a lot that you can contribute. Knowing that you have skills and knowledge that you can share that will be of value to other people and be willing to do that. Yeah. Um, so you're doing that in spite of the fact that you may still have a little imposter syndrome going on or that you may be <laughs> well aware of your well aware of the things that you you can't do right or whatever right yeah Absolutely. so it's a health that's a healthy balance i think yeah i like me i like myself no that's good <laughs> We don't, Especially I think when you're I'm like, talking to you. You're I like, feel great right now. You're like me. We don't take ourselves 
you know, that seriously. I know. So. I just, I don't, you know, the, the dealing with people is the biggest thing. Yeah. Like I, I can work on myself and whatever I do to uh, just be a better me. Right. I, I don't have a, any problems with that. There's two quotes that drive me. This is one of them. And it's um, serve with the heart of a king and rule with the heart of a servant. Oh, I love that phrase. I like that. When I have community meetings, which I do occasionally now, because when we try to expand, try to get people to come to a meeting and tell my story, right? I start with that. That's my thing. It's like, oh, I like it. This is how. Yeah, I like that. This is how we grow. Yeah. This is how we serve your community, which is now my community. Interesting. You know. Um, and the other one is it's a scripture, which is love never fails. Yeah. I absolutely, uh, completely believe that love never fails. Although I also absolutely and completely believe that people fail at, at, uh, loving, but love, true love. And I know we can all debate what true love is, but the, you know, the phileo, the brotherly love or agape which is unconditional love yeah right? that kind of love that we should have for our neighbor and who's your neighbor everybody everybody neighbor, right so love never fails we actually think alike in many ways i have come to the conclusion after all these years after reading <laughs> all of these self-help books for you know personal improvement books uh business improvement books, listening to uh, different uh, organized religions, people's advice on lots of different things. And if you distill everything down mm -hmm. to one word, one concept, it's simply love. It really is. And I even talk about it in, uh, I do sales training. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it's not about tricks and psychological maneuvers and, you know, uh, mind games and, and numbers it's really about caring for other people, like literally loving other people. And therefore, if you do that, you have the desire to help them and give them what they need the most. Yeah. I mean, really, that's what it's about. Yeah. And it's so, it's so simple. If that's the way you live. What, what we were taught when we were kids. All, yeah, no kidding, right? right? Like, and we knew it as kids too, didn't we? Yes. We unlearned it throughout the years. <laughs> if you operate under the under that one concept, that rules all the de decisions that you make and how you live your life and how you interact with other people and everything. It's pretty simple. All right, so, Bill. I got to mention real Yeah, quick. go ahead. I like your pictures, but you're better looking in person than <laughs> <laughs> Don't say what? that. That's going to go right to his head. Wait, where, did, where did that come from? Are you I admiring my mustache? I just noticed that I'm like, yeah, Oh, on my display picture. banner, yeah. yeah. So... Well, that's a couple years Just old. A so that banner while, uh, that was used at the trail for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I have headshots coming up soon, so I'll make sure I tell the, uh, I'll Ray the photographer about that. Well, that'll make you better me get your beard trimmed up. Before. I just trimmed it today before we came here. Oh, that's why I look so good, probably. All right. So, um, Bill, back to you. Yeah. Thanks, Rush. All right. So, Bill, you've made a decision. Nonprofit. We're gonna we're gonna rock this puppy. Yeah, so, it's a um, process. <laughs> and it's an ongoing process. At this point in time, are you happy with that decision? Absolutely. Okay. Now, I know that we buried the lead a little bit in the beginning, um, but I'll cover it in the show notes and in my intros to this so people know up front like, the impact that you're making now. Starting from when you decided to take over from your parents, that thing yes. had grown tremendously for like 20 years. Yep. 
They were right from what 60, 69 meals to, to twenty two hundred meals in two thousand nine. And then now you're doing over four thousand. Yes. With multiple locations. Yes. All right. So tell me a little bit about what's happening or the growth or whatever you think is important. Yeah. You obviously got a lot of help, by the way. Uh, uh, in addition to the guy who was answering your self talk. Oh yeah, Stan. <laughs> right. So you've Stan's had. Still with us. I've met some of the guys. They yeah. they they're in there with you know they're elbow deep in uh, yeah. um, tearing turkeys apart <laughs> and and mixing soup and everything, and they're smiling. Yeah. They were having a great time. In fact, yeah. it's on that video that I made. Yes, they're Tom, smiling away so, in there. So whoever's listening might recognize some of these names, but Tom Tiffany and Paul Van Savage and. In our area, Paul yeah. Van Savage is Paul's pretty in, well known. Yeah, very well known. And he's a very uh, community-oriented yeah. guy. A quick aside, yeah, uh, which was a big coincidence, which I don't mention to him anymore, but I think I did the first ten times I met, I bumped into him. He used to he used to run a paint store, and when my wife was a kid, he sold her orange paint to paint her bedroom orange. <laughs> <laughs> or she bought orange paint. It was That's like awesome. he, he talked her into it. But they're the best. Like I'm, they're the the nicest guys. Paul Van Savage is an excellent day cook. Yeah, he's and very so much into food. I got the invite to his patio with Tom Tiffany and some other volunteers, Pete Boyle and uh, Bill Snedeker. And so that when they're listening, they know I mentioned their names. Yeah, um, it was this just outlandishly like it made me think, huh. I got some work to do, you know. Oh, like, okay. Uh, his he's really good. Yeah, and the food was excellent. So they started when I started. So they've been with me ten years. You know, pushing eleven. Paul's in his eighties. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany's in his seventies. And these guys come in. For They're 14, still hustling, you know, aren't they? Ten, twelve days straight. Yeah, boom, sure. Boom, 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 and do the work. And most of the volunteers are just like that. Well, if that's you, internal you, motivation. They have yeah. the, you know, again, I these are things I talk about a lot. It's understanding your why, understanding what motivates you, being able to tap into that energy that yeah. you, you don't need outside inspiration from people. It's great to get it, but you don't need any accolades. You don't need people patting you on the back. Yep. You don't need somebody to look up to saying, well, if they're doing it, I can do it because it all comes from within. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing and a privilege for me to watch. Yeah. You know, to watch that. And, uh, the impact of the of people, the people that we serve, people that uh, come for food, come for camaraderie, come to come together, yeah, and uh, not be alone. Most of them just don't want to be alone. Uh, people are very grateful about the meals, aren't they're, they? They're coming, uh, they're in the, yeah. on their best behavior. Absolutely, it's a wonderful We've never time had for them. An incident. We've never had to throw somebody out. Yeah, and we're serving over a thousand meals in a little venue. Yeah. over four hours. Somebody's watching over you, and uh, it's awesome. It, but the impact on the volunteers is just as dramatic, just yeah. as positive, and and I get to watch that. And uh, the focus is not me. The focus is yeah. The volunteers that do all this, like, yeah. yeah, it's not that I do nothing. Handing out Christmas candy to the kids. It's just like, yeah, I get the fun. <laughs> like, now, after yeah. 10 years of some labor, it's back to being fun. It's like, yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to do this again. To go back to from 2000 to 4,200 now on average, we do deliveries, like we said, from the first year. You got 4,200 meals. Is that what you did uh, this past this year? Past or was year we did uh, just under 34. COVID year was down a little, yeah. but... My goodness! We couldn't have a dinner, but we did deliver. We delivered over sixteen hundred meals. Okay, uh, into five counties. Plus, we did eight hundred in Norwich. And if you need a meal, we just want to get it to you. I mean, just yeah, 
let us know where you're at. We'll get it to you. So how many locations are you serving now? So there's two cities. Norwich and Binghamton. Norwich and Binghamton. We, right. we have a, what I call a satellite location, which is in Indicott. I don't consider that a separate dinner. All the food for that comes from the Legion. So it was like a mini expansion. Sure. But we're already producing enough food. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting the, you know enough volunteers to cover this place. So this is a second full-time job for you. All year long, you're out promoting, you're yes. organizing, you're hustling. And we want to go to um, another city. You want to add, that means you need more volunteers, you need yeah. more um, sponsors, right? Yeah, you're um, you're a nonprofit now, so people can yes. get uh, tax write-offs for that, which will help. Sure can. If somebody's in another city, how do they find you? The website is banderachristmas.com. Okay. Uh, and there is a... Contact links on there. You can obviously donate on the website, but there's, oh, good. they can uh, sign up to volunteer... And they can also just, whatever, they can contact us that way. What's the big thing you want to accomplish this year? What are you really looking for? Is it another location yeah. or do you need a... So going to really go strong in trying to start a dinner in Oneana. Okay. Which is, yeah. uh, you know, 50 miles northeast of Binghamton, right? Yeah. And so then we would have, Nor- we have Norwich. This, this was our third year in Norwich. So then we got a little triangle going there. Yeah. That was scheduled and planned. What? On Christmas Day in three senior buildings that serves. That's an addition to the dinners yes. at the two locations. Yes. Plus the, Plus the one church in over here. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yes, that's expanding, but we're utilizing the same volunteers, the same food, yeah. just making a little bit more. Sure. And I love that because it's really not about the food. The food is a vehicle in which we use to touch your life, to impact your life in a positive way, to remind you that someone cares about you yeah, and that you don't have to be alone today. But how perfect to use food. No. Yeah. And right. I love food. So, <laughs> so we do that. But so Oneana was all scheduled. And so went to Norwich, right. Figured out a few things about how to, you know, get the word out, how to, you know, how's this going to go? I'm trying to get you focused so. in here, Bill. All right. So I'm going to ask <laughs> okay. you a third time. Well, Oneana. Because this so is going to be, this well, is going to be published soon, right? Funding. Yeah. All right. You need, you need funding. And volunteers. So you, in Oneana. Yeah. So Oneonta, New York, is your focus. Yes. All right. Do you already have a location in Oneonta? Uh, not only pending. I do, but okay. So if no. somebody has a location, you'd love to talk to them. Absolutely. If somebody wants to volunteer in the Oneonta area, you would love to talk to them as soon as possible because you can you can yeah. get them in your training program. Right. And money. Honestly, of course, do this. If you'll we take. start in the summer. Yeah. It wouldn't be this Christmas. It would be next Christmas. So it, you need to start now. It has to start. Get started. Uh, March right. through the you know into okay. the summer. So we're going to publish this in a couple of weeks, okay. and you can pick it up and then share it and get some of your people to share this around and and then we'll maybe even target target some people in Oneana and then sort of link them link this to them. Yeah, this will right. be one one of the many ways that they can get information about what you're doing. Absolutely. All right. So the website would be the main place to go. We'll put yes. that in the show notes, right? Okay. And uh, and uh, are you on LinkedIn or Facebook heavily yeah. or anything? Actually, uh, I am. My the business isn't, but I personally am. And you're okay with people uh, messaging you there, absolutely. or whatever. Absolutely. So and that is at LinkedIn or Facebook. LinkedIn, Facebook, and Bill Bandera. Bill Bill uh, Bandera. Yes. B a n d e r a. We covered a lot. Boy, I'm going to have to edit some of this out to get it to uh, anything that some people want to listen to. <laughs> I wanted to make you work a little bit. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
He needs well, th- that. Uh, Bill, thanks for sharing all that with us. I have seen you in action and seen some of your volunteers in action, and it truly is impressive to see what you can do for people and to see the the smiling faces and the gratitude on the people's faces who come for that dinner. Yeah, um, thank you. Some of them, you can tell, truly need to be there. So you, it's definitely a service, and I'm sure that your your parents are smiling. <laughs> yes. Now we get to a part that is a little bit uh, less serious uh, sometimes, unless you read <laughs> between the lines. But we get to learn a little bit more about you, okay. about Bill Bandana. Bill Bandana. <laughs> no, that's about- <laughs> perfect because my football coach used to call me Bill, Bill Bandana. Bandana. <laughs> You're on Wait. top of it. There, maybe maybe there's a branding thing there you could use <laughs> going forward. All right, Bill Bandera. It's time to answer the questions. Uh-oh. I double dare all you. All right, all right, here we go. So we have some questions for you, Bill. You ready? Okay. All right, if you could have a conversation with a famous person, dead or alive, who would it be, and why would you want to talk to them? Or what would you want to talk to that person about? Oh, man. I'm going to say this one because I just watched a concert on YouTube, and it's one of my favorite artists, and there's plethora of reasons why I'd like to talk to him. Does the artist have a name? Elton John. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's still around, right? He is still around. All right. One, uh, that's one reason why you'd want to talk to Elton. Well, I think his uh, gift is out of this world like his ability to and what he's done over almost 50 years i yeah. love music music yeah. drives me and um in many ways and his music in particular has been a part of my life all of my life what is it that drove you why are you s- still doing concerts you know yeah he's why are you still around there? and uh, i think it would be a fascinating conversation with him question number two yes who do people tell you that you look like scott Bale. Scott Bale, no kidding. Not anymore. What, what do you mean? Like, oh, okay. he still has hair. That's right. When okay. I was a teenager and college, I, I wish I had a picture to show you. Well, we see that. If was, I showed you the picture, you would be Scott Bale. All right. Was he the Karate Kid? Was that the Scott Bale, or is that a different one? No. Or which no, one? Was, that which was a different one? Scott Bale was Happy Days. Mm. Chachi. Yeah. Ch- and yeah. Did oh, he play Chachi? Is that the one? Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Spin image. Wow, we have to look for that photo of you as Chachi. <laughs> all right, all right. This now this is a little different. This is a this is an offshoot of the questions. This is a little game I came up with for you, Bill. All right, so we're gonna uh, Brenna's gonna keep score. We're gonna okay. see if you can get to a million. All right. So, how many recipes can you make or cook with leftover turkey? Uh, and by the way, turkey turkey's good for five days uh, in your refrigerator or three months in the freezer uh, your turkey leftovers did a little research last night um don't like it when it starts to get slimy match the items on our list for one point and if you make an additional recipe something i don't have on the list would give you two points all right so oh, go ahead oh my goodness what can you make you know, all right how many recipes are different things all right being one point turkey soup got that two points uh um let's see with this is leftover turkey, right? Yeah, yeah, leftovers. <sighs> you can do turkey and a uh, modified version of uh, chicken and biscuits. Do turkey and biscuits. Oh, I don't have that. Two points. Um, That's my favorite, too, chicken and biscuits. Do, um, yeah, I know you don't have this on the list, but you throw it into your protein shake. Oh, two points. I don't have that. Um, you could just reheat it with gravy and mashed potatoes. Yeah, traditional turkey dinner. <laughs> yeah. All right, one point. Got that one. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. What yeah. else do you have? What I like 
personally what I do with left. Yeah. I'll just let you in on something. I it's don't eat secret. turkey anymore. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> Give it away. All right. Did he make a million points? So, a trillion. A trillion a points trillion for Bill. Points. All right. Very good, Bill. Just dip it. I, what I do is I <laughs> rip it off the, I take a piece of yeah. dark meat. Dip it in the dip gravy. It in, no. And oh. Mayo. Wait, what? And salt it. Oh, that's that's it's definitely the original. It's way to eat I it. Not it's the that. only way I eat it, but I only do it once a year. I, I had a few more a on treat. there. I had a pot pies and lasagna and turkey burgers and oh, chili. Yeah. Oh, turkey burger. That'd be a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, chili, you can add it to it. That's a good one. Too. Yeah. Um, the, one I, the one I did come up with was pate for cat food. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> that's not official, I guess. Not official. We could try, we could try to market a new hummus. <laughs> Chickpeas and turkey? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God, that'd be disgusting, I think. Oh, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Well, Bill, it's been interesting. Yeah, oh, I appreciate you and your time. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, uh, listeners, we had a lot to learn there. Um, if you're in the Oneana, New York area, and you want to be involved with this, you will get way more out of it than you put in. Trust me on that one. Uh, listen to that voice. Okay, Bill yeah. gave you a very tangible example of an amazing transformation in him just simply by recognizing and um, honoring that, that little voice inside. could be your subconscious. It could be uh, maybe some DNA rattling around <laughs> down in there. The little troll uh, that lives inside your dog. It could be a little troll. <laughs> maybe it's uh, some divine inspiration. I, right, I lean towards uh, the divine inspiration thing. Yeah, honestly, in that doesn't matter how people hear it, or what they think it is. Like we said earlier, if you're hearing it, then respond to it. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? I think that's the message. Respond to it, and uh, and you'll go places. I mean, I can't imagine where I'm headed, but I can't believe I'm where I'm at. Take the step. Be bold and fearless. You don't have to be the expert before you start. There's our listener's message right there. Listen, be bold, and go. All right. Until next time. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode and it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So, please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly. Keep at it and wash your hands.